Hi, everybody. Welcome to our, I think it's our seventh podcast. I'm super, super stoked. Before I introduce our next guest, I'm so excited to tell you that this week's podcast has a sponsor. Cute, right? Yeah. Um, this week's we are sponsored, well, really by ourselves, but we, we're sponsored <laughs> by our concert series. And on February 14th, we are hosting Nuriel at the bakery. They're really good. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. It's true. Nuriel at Valentine's Day, on Valentine's Day at the bakery. They really, I've, we've hosted a lot and they seem really lovely. Um, and you can get your tickets uh, off of our website, and I'll link to it in the show's notes, which is on our website. Okay, uh, with me today is, oh, now our food's coming. It's <laughs> obvious, so obvious. Uh, with me today is Danielle Renoff. Perfect that, like, the best foodie in my life is getting a thousand pieces of food right now. Um, Danielle is Peas Love and Carrots. Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle. It's so great to be here today. Oh my god, our oh, food yeah. really is coming. Really, this is like the most exciting in. thing. Wait, I'm gonna need to wash. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Oh now. my gosh, guys, the vegan the vegan toast is so amazing. Basically, it's a thin piece of sourdough that's toasted, spread with the most insane, delicious carrot puree. I don't know how to explain it to you. It's like garlicky. It has tons of flavors. It's cold. As you eat it, it develops. Then you get like the sweetness from the carrot. Then they top it with like this tomato salsa. breathe because it's so good on top of it is olives sprouts for crunchiness it's just the perfect bite it is so good i wake up every morning and wish i had the carrot puree in my house so i need to say something and then we're definitely going to break to wash (laughs) but i will say that your obsession with our carrot puree (laughs) has put us on the map in like the craziest ways like i'll know like people walk in and they'll like straight up ask for carrot puree and i'll look at them and i'm like oh he's loving carrots and they're like yes you know she says i'm like i I know exactly what she says and when you were planning on coming out today i was like I told Declaw, I told our chef, I'm like, you better put carrot puree on the side because it's going to be hell to pay if it's not no, there. because it's, right, sometimes I even, like, on Instagram, I'll send you a message, like, I really wish I had carrot puree this morning. I sent Gila a message last week. I'm like, is anybody coming to Yerushalayim? Hi. Because it's just, yes, hi. It's a cool You're now on our podcast. We're recording. Who is this? Oh, this is Mayan. Hi, Mayan. Oh my gosh, we got French fries and they look crispy. Um, we took. Look, did yeah, you take yeah, yeah, yeah. We Thank want you. the other soup. This one is for Ellie. Well, we put Danielle's husband in yeah. the front of the bakery and we're hiding in the back. <laughs> Ellie came with me and we walked in. <laughs> we walked in and Devorah was like, oh, okay, should we get a bigger table for Ellie? And I was like, no. No, I'm great. No. But Sakum. I would love Sakum. Yeah. Listen, you're, she's basically, you're, yeah, we're basically eating and sort of talking while we're recording. Well, that's the only real way to talk is while you're eating, <laughs> right? No? Um, it does feel that way. It does feel that way. Look, you have the vegan. Can they hear me? Who's the they in this Crunching scenario? they, the oh, podcast listeners. Barur, of Wait, course. I'm going to get really close to the microphone so you can hear the crunch of the french fry. I think she, <laughs> but also it's so crunchy because Ellie Amazing. asked for extra crunch. So like maybe like it's like well, that was that was that oh are these his so French crunchy. fries? No, I doubled it. Oh, wow. Oh, what are oh we gonna gosh. do? I didn't want to be jealous. Of Wait, him. what is this? I think that this must be a garlic mayo or a hollandaise. I don't even know. Let's see. Oh, it's good with a French fry. Eh? Oh my gosh. What is that? Do you know what ASMR is? No. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Okay. ASMR. I forgot what it stands for. Is basically this like sensory overload thing where people on Instagram eat food. <laughs> and crunch it really loud and you listen to it but I promise you it's you cannot get enough of it it makes like all your little sensory inside of you sparkle <laughs> at the same time and you're like lit on fire from under your skin and you can't get enough and they eat these sea grapes and all I want in my life are these sea grapes I don't even know where to get them from but I'm telling you be, like look listen guys listen to this that made them happy I that made you happy it made me happy I'm happy because you seem very connected <laughs> to crunching. I don't no. think that I'm feeling it like the best. No, no, no. going to happen. We're going to get Instagram and that's going. No problem. We're here for it. Okay. I'm sure. Perfect. Thank you. I'm showing Devorah the ASMR, okay? <laughs> this is oh, it. How did you, I'm saying you found, oh, I see. You, you go to Instagram, hashtag. search, hashtag ASMR. I'm going to tell you there's a few really good ones. Oh my God, the ice with the juice inside is amazing. It doesn't sound, oh here, this is honeycomb. Wait, honeycomb I will say that I have a friend. Oh, one second. Hold on. I'm, looking at? I'm just looking at honeycomb. Right now you're looking at honeycomb. Oh, Savannah Bee Company, that's for sure. 
Steve is like tapping it. He's, he's making us noises. <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait for the bite. This is really like there's something like voyeuristically perverted about it. Like, <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> I know, but Ellie says all the time, like, Camille, I think you have a sickness. Yeah, there is. There's something gross about it. It feels, like, very intimate, like I'm involved in that guy's, like, You know, in, like, very moments. firm places, they say, like, you're not supposed to, like, eat in, on the street. Like, yes, women are I mean, not supposed to eat in public. I don't think it's only women, well, by the in way. in Hector, they didn't teach us that. <laughs> She's eating caviar. I think this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe that you love it as much as you love it. Oh, you can't even imagine. I could spend hours watching them eat these caviar and sea grapes and honey. It's like it's not regular. Uh, oh my god, that's not that's nuts. I know. But I do have a friend, and I will shout her out here, Aliza Sokol, who actually loves you. Also, oh. um, Aliza, she can't handle the sound of ice. And for right. years, like, well, you know, like you come to my house, obviously I'm going to serve ice yeah. or drink. Nope, not with Aliza. She can't handle ice. I also don't like when people bite into ices. It gives me chills. It's in weird because you're watching like honeycomb and whatever else is going on. Also, I'm totally fine with the ice ASMR videos. It's like weird. I know. I know. I don't know how that happened. Soap cutting, soap crunching, you know about that? No, I don't know what we're talking about here. You don't know about soap ASMR? I really live a very different life than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, soap cutting, soap ASMR. Yeah. This is like a real thing. I don't know. Okay, look, watch this. Basically, they take soap, they use a peeler, they peel oh, the soap. You did a little bit about this, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. Okay, listen, it's such a good crunch. Okay, what? Listen. Oh, right now she's cutting it. I think she's doing it in slow mo or no? No, that's this real. is real. This is satisfying. I'm gonna say something. When you cut your soap, do you use that soap then? No, no. Oh, yeah, we melted it down. Listen. I see. The appeal for that one is good because it's like, um, like yeah. bubble wrap a little bit. Maggie loves this. My other girls love slime videos. Like, sure, they watch the people sure. play with slime, stuff like that. Maggie likes the soap. You've made it. Meaning, okay, let's, let's step back for one second. Okay. I want to talk about the first time I met you and my first impression. Because I don't think I've ever shared it with you. Can we wash first? I'm, oh, I'm, we have I'm to like, wash. Yeah. Everybody, Hashem comes first. Hashem she comes does, first. She does. Please hold. Okay, we're back. We stopped chewing, like, meaning we've been chewing for a while. <laughs> it sounds like we picked up where we left off because I still have food in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot has changed <laughs> since we were a year a minute ago. Um, yeah, but they did a great spread for us. Meaning... Look, the vegan sandwich is always going to be when you show up. But then I feel like the artichoke soup you needed to try, the stuffed mm. pizza you needed to try, the chef's pizza. The artichoke soup we had at your opening night. I, yes. And anybody listening to this that follows me that was with us that night heard me talk about that artichoke soup. It was. It was. First of all, it's very popular. It's, it's crazy. Like, I don't even understand It's so it. creamy. Sometimes artichoke soups aren't creamed enough, actually, and they develop, like... A texture that's very unpleasant. I know exactly what we're talking about. And this one is not that. This one is extremely pleasant and delicious to eat. All the food is amazing. We got the stuffed crust calzone pizza, which is out of this world. The bread is crunchy. The filling is cheesy. There's onion. There's tomato. There's Swiss chard, you said. I think Swiss chard, mushrooms. It is so good. It's made with their, I mean, <sighs> carbs are carbs. Carbs like, are carbs. But good carbs are amazing. <laughs> like, they make you so happy. It should be your t-shirt. It should you, be your t-shirt. You, you brought a, a couple into this world through your carbs. Oh, so it's true. <laughs> I was just telling Danielle, because when we went to wash, we have these really pretty washing cups. And it was from David and I talked about it last week on last week's episode. But, like, this couple, like, his family came to the workshop. Her family came to the workshop. They met. I guess they started dating a little while later. They got engaged at the bakery. And then they were so cute that they gave us this gift. That's so, so yes, carbs unite. Good no, good carbs unite. Good, let's say this. Good carbs, good, like good marriage. Yeah. Meaning if it started oh, there. for sure. No, because bad carbs make you want to curl up in your bed and not see people for a day. True. <laughs> you know what, like, you get that, like, carb load in your body and you're weighed down. And you're like, okay, I just need to, like, Netflix and sleep for a yes. little. Yes. But good carbs make marriages. They make marriages. You're a Papa Mella. <laughs> we make marriages with our good carbs. That's exactly what, that's exactly <laughs> how we feel. But I also always say this, like, but sometimes like people are mean in the bakery, like people are just, like maybe they're having a bad day or they had a fight with their oh. spouse or maybe they're literally just mean. But I'm always like, 
it's not like neuroscience. Like it's literally a piece of bread. Like you shouldn't be this angry ever (laughs) in your life about bread. Like just don't be like, meaning. No, unless you're denying yourself bread. Oh no, they're coming in. No, the deniers are angry, but they have a right to be. If if my, if I was denying my body carbs, uh, my body would revolt also. Has there ever been a point in time, you're a huge foodie. Has there ever been a point in time when you were like, like, do you have a diet plan that you follow or a way that you approach food? So I'm actually not like the healthiest eater in terms of like a fit lifestyle. Okay. I'm saying I can become, it's very clear to people, I'm a huge perfectionist and I can become very, very immersed in my work very quickly. And I can in fact forget to eat. Like I can cook all this food and I can go a few days without sitting down to a real meal. Um, But I don't know, on the flip side also, thank God my weight is pretty steady throughout my life besides for during like pregnancies and things like that. And then usually it takes me anywhere from like nine months to 14 months. And I'm not a gluttonous eater. Like I don't think I overeat really, but like if I go somewhere where I like the food, you would be like, oh my gosh, how does this girl pack in so much food? But then I probably wouldn't eat again for like... So I've come to this stage in life. I've also have a very on-again, off-again, love-hate relationship yeah. with food. But I've come to the stage in my life where like, if David and I are going out to like celebrate our anniversary or a birthday, whatever, like, I don't want to sit for a very, very heavy, fancy meal. Right. Like, that doesn't do it for me anymore. It's too overwhelming. I like, And so we'll jump. Like, we'll try something in one store. We'll go yeah. to another place. Like, a little bit here and a little bit there. That seems to be, like, for me anyway, that seems to be, like, the right way to do it. But I did meet you for the first time during Chodesh Bari, right? You have that month. Yes. This you, Chodesh Bari? No. We've been friends for, oh, it's, it's a long time. I know. I was going to say that seems too recent. No, it's not. Because it's got to be a year and a half a year and a half ago? Yeah, yeah. Yes. A year and a half ago, you were doing Kodesh Bari, and we said, hey, you had written to us. Gila actually sent me the email. You had written to us, and you're like, hi, I'm this foodie, I'm this blogger, and I've heard about oh, your before place. before Rosh Hashanah. Yes, you're like, you were going to come out, and then it didn't work out for a workshop. But right. then, so then after all of the Chagim, you're like, okay, it's Kodesh Bari. You seem to be like healthy people. I want to come check it out. So I'm like, okay. Now, I did not do any homework. Meaning, I assumed that you would be like jeans, t-shirt, baseball cap. <laughs> And then you walk in. I was never Jesus. You were never. <laughs> you walk in with this snood, but you're not, not a snood. I was wearing what a tiffle. What is this? A tiffle. A tiffle. You know that I don't. No, I don't know. Know. It's an accurate picture. Okay, I didn't walk out of Nula <laughs> in a snood and a robe. Okay. <laughs> No, you're right. Tickle, but in my head, it's the same thing. You know oh saying? my like, gosh. Fine. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. What is this called? I hope you are all listening to me when I say I was not wearing a snood. I was wearing a tickle. Let's just call like this. Like I am today. Let's just call this the education of Devorah Cat. <laughs> Meaning, I just see it. I'm like, I guess that's a snood. Meaning, this is like, what is this? What's you know, on my head? You know what's occurring to me? They can't see us right now. Oh, we'll take a picture. We can say anything we want. Like, <laughs> like they don't know that I'm not 5'8 and blonde and... It's true, but I will say of the, I don't know, 50,000 people that follow you, they probably at this point have a sense of what <laughs> you look like. like. Right, I'm not blonde. 5'8 <laughs> <laughs> is questionable. You come You'll in, have to meet not me in a snoo, but in a tickle, because there seems to be some very important distinction that I'm missing. And you come in with your mom, who is like right. adorable, literally okay. adorable. And you're not talking to me. You're talking to your phone, which <laughs> is also me. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. And I'm like, I, I guess I'll go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll play around. It was the first brand. You were in Kibbutz right. Rosh Tzurim with us. And you walk in, and it's like, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. We're like, I'm like... I, I, I'm actually at a loss for words. Yeah. At some point, I was like, here are spelt crackers. And you talk to your phone, to me, but to your phone, and you're like, now girls, you know I don't like, what don't you like, cracker seeds? No, I don't like bird food. Oh, okay, bird food. You're like, Because that is what all those crackers always look like, besides yes, for but yours. you're like, I don't like it, but I'm going to try it. I hear it's good. And then you pause, and you do this gesunte bracha into <laughs> your phone, and then take a bite. And I'm sitting there going, what? What? Like, <laughs> What is happening right now? I didn't understand. It's good we're still friends. Oh my gosh, of course. (laughs) Meaning, and I was just like, and it just went from there. It was like, it felt like it was this train careening off the rails. And I was like, holding on for dear life. Then you brought out the spelt. I brought, yeah. The bagel thing. Oh yeah, the spelt, the spelt, um, oh my God. Spelt roll. The spelt Spelt roll, that's the consistency of a bagel with everything spice. And I was sold. You were sold then. 
because I live in Israel away from bagels. It's and true. a life deprived of bagels. Well, I know that sad. we just started bagels here. Now we're making bagels here. Not sourdough, regular bagels. But the whole essence of them was David, another part of my life yeah. is that David always knows a guy. So okay. David found a guy whose grandfather owned a bakery in the Lower East Side and made bagels. And David said to the guy, Joe Zander, I know you're not listening, but Rosalie, I bet you are, so tell Joe. <laughs> and so Joe Zander came and he's like, this is how my grandfather's bagels tasted. And they spent time working on it to make it be like, if you're going to make a bagel, it has to be a New York bagel. So my, one of my father's oldest friends is actually Barney Greengrass. Barney Greengrass is a backtrack. My parents did not grow up from. And Barney Greengrass is a Jewish guy um, who grew up in the city. And him and my father are good friends. Barney Greengrass is named for his grandfather, whose name was Barney Greengrass. I'm now, with you. I'm with you. Anybody listening to this that lives in New York City that did not grow up from or conservative or is in the foodie world knows that Barney Greengrass is the name of a very, very old but um, incredible appetizing restaurant in okay. Manhattan. They're famous for their Nova, you know, and their loxes and things like that, um, and their cheeses and their Sunday morning spreads. It's the obviously schmier. not the kosher, schmier. yeah. But they actually were commissioned by Barney's, the shopping center, no connection. Oh. The, whatever, the, really? I don't know what it's called, not a mall, but. No, it was department a store. department store. <clears throat> the department store in LA to become the restaurant in Barney's in LA. Okay. So you know how like Saks has a restaurant and whatever, so the, the restaurant in Barney's, the department store is at Barney's Greengrass in LA. And this is years ago, and I, my, I remember my father telling us how it was so difficult for them because at first they tried shipping water to oh, LA. Yes, they tried to be dough to LA. They could no, they could they couldn't get it. So now they ship the dough. They actually Come make on. it. They rise it. They boil it, and then they just all they do is bake them off. Because in LA. there is a store they in LA that now talks about like a, some bagel shop in yeah. LA that's like we ship the water, and David goes crazy. No, David's like, oh, the water doesn't. Yeah. it's not about the water. So that's funny that they ship the dough. That is funny. No. They ship the fully formed, like, right? Bagels are really a two-step process. Yes. They're yes. boiled and then baked. Yeah. Have you ever made them? Yeah. But also, I'm from New York. So here's another thing. I'm very, very much from Toronto. Like, I'm very much not from New York. <laughs> so you're Canadian. I'm super, super not from New York, except that my parents were Brooklyn. Oh. My parents were like Flatbush, and then they escaped from, they escaped from Brooklyn Via they escaped. Yes, they had to go. <laughs> Syracuse and then Belfast and then Ottawa until they settled Wait, in Belfast. Toronto. Isn't Belfast? In yeah, they went to no, Ireland. No, no. Bel- yes, my dad was the went to Ireland for one year, but it was the year that the IRA started bombings. There were bombings then. No, oh, I know what the IRA. So is. I'm That's saying crazy. so. My mother spent the year hiding under a bed, freaking out, and my dad was like the Jew of Belfast, meaning he put on the play. He probably he was still like the is rabbi. the Jew of Belfast. He <laughs> <laughs> today. So uh, and that was it. And then they went from Ottawa to Toronto. So I had this like weird approach to New York because we had to go twice a year to New York. Okay. But we had to go. I'm sorry. Like we had to go and sit on the couches of old relatives. Like, no. Yeah. That was our entire. Like my brother says, until he turned 21. He didn't know that New York was fun. Like, it was like, you sit in somebody's couch in Flatbush, and then you With go plastic? to... Yo, hot, but uh, warm, obviously. obviously. If you behave well, you get to go to J2. And then that was it. And that so was like, you know, I did not have any of that experience. Because you're five towns. No, Where because... you? I'll tell you, my father was born in Brooklyn, but he grew up in the five towns. Um, his father, actually, my father also has a unique story. His father is a survivor from Bendin, Poland which was like one of the biggest towns, like a Gerer town actually in Poland. And he was taken very, very early, um, like 1938. Like he, he, was, he was in the war he for a very long time. He was taken to a war camp, you're saying? At first he was taken to camps where like for the first year they were given like a small stipend, like okay. 10 cents, something like that. <laughs> At one point he was sent home, then he was sent back. And then actually he was very fit. He was like 16 or 17 and his older brother also. And they, they actually, it's very sad, but his unit survived because they were sent from camp to camp to actually build the camps. This is your grandfather. My father's, father's father. Father's father, okay. Um, so he, he was very, very strong. And um, yeah, and he was, he went from camp, they, they built the camps, he actually built the Autobahn. Wow. Like real, like hard, like it was horrible. Actually, when they passed through Auschwitz at some point back through Auschwitz, they were put into showers and they had heard all these stories about gas chambers. And he says he thought they were going to die. And then all of a sudden water came out and they, they were like 
Like they wow. they were just it was crazy. And then after the war, he came to America. No, so my grandfather was very, very literally the most special person I've ever like the strongest human being I've ever That's met in my life. That's how you remember him. No, that it is. It, he was like he was disciplined. He was strong. He was just the right amount of emotional, like extremely level-headed but loving and caring like it's it's very hard i've never met a person like him in my life before and after the war his brother got married to my aunt helen who was one of the most beautiful women and they she had family in america so uncle ben and aunt helen went to new york and they begged my grandfather to come and my grandfather said no and he would not marry anybody in germany um so him and his brother for a while were like smuggling meat across borders because there was like food rationing wow. issues, things like that. Finally, he refused to get married. He, he, he didn't want to marry a survivor, which is very unique. Like it's very hard to find. It's true. Um, he really wanted to move on with his life. And he just felt like he couldn't do that marriage to another survivor. So he actually went to Canada all the way to like Ottawa, Canada. like over there. <laughs> Yeah, he couldn't get into New York, into America. Canada's very accepting, not during the war, but after the war. <laughs> so he went like near Alaska over there and he helped build the train oh, tracks. Oh, not near Alaska. Oh, what, wait, what is that? <laughs> what, what's on top of Washington? <laughs> we don't, we don't learn. Vancouver. Oh my God. <laughs> Literally, you oh my cannot gosh, be Dad, born I hope you're not listening right now. <laughs> If your if your dad is not listening, no, oh, dad, I hope you're this. not listening. Oh God! Listen, I'm gonna print, I'm gonna print up a map for you. This uh, is in great. the show notes, there'll be a map. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank God they can't oh see me now. Gosh, How many shades of red perfect. I am? Okay. Anyway, he went to Vancouver, built, laid down railroad tracks, got paid, saved up money, finally went to Toronto, and um, his cousin, who survived the war, was living in New York, and his. Um, his cousin met, was on his way to Toronto to visit my grandfather and he met a girl on the train. Come on. She was going to take care of her sick aunt. Like it doesn't sound like a real story, but she was, she was going to take care of her sick aunt in Toronto. And he was like, Oh, I know this guy. You should meet him. Anyway, the sick aunt and my grandfather lived around the corner from each other in Toronto. And like Toronto's a legit city. Wait, so first of all, what we're saying now is that I have connections to New York, and you actually have fairly strong connections to Toronto. Well... Don't pretend. No, my grandmother wasn't Canadian, but I have more connections to Canada from the other side. Fine. I think that's a very important thing <laughs> yes, to know. Yes, yes. I'm so basically Canadian. So stayed in Toronto? So, no. So then they dated, and they then he went to New York to date more, and then they got married, and she grew up in the Bronx, my grandmother. Her parents actually survived the Depression because they owned a supermarket. We were always foodies. So, I mean, we also talk about that. Yeah. I think that my grandparents or my great-grandparents owned, like, a, also in Syracuse, like, some kind of small Food. supermarket. But it, it feels, like, very cyclical. Like, also, right. one of the things that Dave and I talk about is, like, very often in workshops, people will say, oh, my grandfather owned the bakery in film right. blank, Poland, Germany, Russia, wherever it and was. And they're drawn to it. Because that's, first of all, it was like a very Jewish profession at the time. But it's interesting that there's sort of this resurgence now of like, you know, the foodie world. First of all, how did you get into it? I don't even know how so, it started Okay, so first of all, clearly I have like food in my blood. So my grandfather and my grandmother got married. And my father always says like, my grandfather used to tell him when they first got married, they didn't have any money or anything. And once in a while when they would go on a date night, my grandmother would make him take my grandfather, my grandmother would make my grandfather take her on the train on city buses to the Lower East Side because there was a place that sold the best sausage, peppers, and onions. So they used to travel an hour and a half just for this like sandwich of sausage, peppers, and onions. But let me just tell you why that's so crazy. Because she's a foodie. No, because it's full circle round. Yes. What you do right now has people traveling and not just an hour and a half, but like there are people who follow you on Instagram who will hear you talking about this place who are coming to me from the five towns, from Muncie, from New Jersey, which I understand is not a five town. (laughs) (laughs) Literally clueless. Okay, you know what? If I've made myself identified as a New Yorker, you have now identified yourself as a Canadian. But for me to say that I'm a Canadian, like that's a badge of pride. Like what? Yes. Nobody says they're Canadian pridefully. Oh my gosh, of course. What? 
Yes. You have the worst health care. Oh my god, we have socialized health care. But it's horrible. You could have to wait eight months for a, a doctor appointment. For a while, they were sending people across the border to oh Buffalo. Oh my god, that's so horrible. See, no, no, they were taking care of them. Oh, I know. My oh my god, god. That's so Canadian. You're so dumb. Yes, we love, I love Canada. But I love it. I love it. Oh, no, no, wow. totally, totally badger pride. I mean, you can't, you can't even use the dollar correctly. I, but like, we're when so we were happy. little and we used to buy comics, I used to get so annoyed. I was like, Dad, why is it a dollar but different? On the, bottom of the, <laughs> on the bottom of comics, like I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it's because Canadians like, have to pay more. Yeah, so my father was like, I don't know, it's Canada, Danielle. You, right now, you're so five times. You know, Dave so and I, when we first got married, they said to us, right, we were, Dave was learning in yeshiva, and um, they said they did this thing where they would adopt, like, American yeshiva boys will come to you, like, yeah. Thursday nights or for meals or whatever. And so me and David said, look, we'll adopt. But you have to give us the list we'll of your students because we're not taking anyone from we'll New select. Jersey. Yes. We went to it. Nobody from, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. From New Jersey and New York. I feel like we speak a different Wait, language. New Jersey and New York? We don't no, know. New Jersey, those. I understand. Oh, I don't see the difference. New- I don't what? Know. I don't, what? what? I'm Canadian. You cannot compare New Jersey to New York. I literally, I don't know the oh difference my right now. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Is that true? Can everyone please write to Devorah and explain <laughs> to her why we're different in New York and New Jersey? Also, if you're in New Jersey, don't write, but only write to her if you're in New York and so explain to her why we're different. It's a totally different world. I have no idea. I'm very comfortable with like the Midwest and like Toronto, Montreal. I don't think I've ever even, I mean, I've been to Chicago. That's technically the yes, Midwest. Yes, it is. Um, but that's it. We're such a big world. When I you know. do your tastings around the world, when your cookbook comes out, I have no God, desire to go there. Knock on, knock on, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. When your cookbook comes out, that's where you should be traveling. You'll travel around the world. And also, I would say you have super fans who aren't only New York and New Jersey. Oh, it's true, but okay. I will say also that when um, you brought Connie, when you brought Busy in Brooklyn here, like it was also this like like she looked at me, she's like, "Who are you? Like, what are you? Like, right. like it was like I'm too far removed from like the mainstream to be like." Normative, like I, I don't understand from anything that you guys are talking about, but it keeps me very emotionally healthy. I think, meaning I'm just a little smaller, a little slower. <laughs> this speed is just a little slower. But okay. that's Israel, which is why I like living here. Also, that's also funny to me. But you also weren't planning on it, right? Right. No. So I did when I was dating. I did want to live in Israel, and not like forever, but like you did. Where did you graduate? Frisch. What did you Hafter. say? Hafter. Hafter, and then you came here for a year. And then I came here for two years. To where? To Mechlaud Esther. Okay. Then I, yeah, it was probably after your time and it closed. Oh, it was one of those fast at, ones. Yeah. Okay, great. It was around for maybe like 15 years oh, altogether. That's no, that's significant. I know programs that started one year and then ended in. No, no, no. It was like a good 15 years. And I'm sure I'm, we're going to get a lot of that. I also went to McLeod Esther or whatever, but it's cool. We like it. <laughs> um, but then I went back. I went to Stern and my parents were like, really were okay with me becoming firmer. Like they were actually very supportive. My mother's Moroccan, so she's very, very spiritual. And even though she didn't grow up from, she grew up with a lot of the Moroccan. Mar- yes, the Moroccan world. We see it all it's the time in different. the bakeries. The Sephardi world, it's all about like, like feels also very healthy. A lot of minhagim, a lot of love for the yeah. things that we like. In the Ashkenazi world, it feels codified, and in the Sephardi world, it just seems intuitive. Like, we love our Chagim, and we love our life yeah, cycle things, no and we love our... Yeah, there was no question to her not to light Shabbos candles, or keep a kosher home, or certain men hug him around, like, your life. But also, they were just, like, a little bit looser on, let's say, kosher's out of the house, or... Even like the way you're Shomer Shabbos or things like so that. So when you were studying at Stern, did you have a foodie career in mind? No. So I remember I called my father my second year in Israel and I was like, I think I don't want to go to college. I think I want to go to culinary school. And my father was like, oh, Danielle, that's such a good idea. When you graduate law school, you can go to culinary <laughs> school. It's <laughs> very nice that he's so supportive. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally the end of the conversation. I was like, oh, this is going nowhere. So... I went to Stern, I majored in English and history. And Perfect then, for law school, meaning that's yeah. literally the gateway. No, and then actually, okay, and then, I, and then I got married, and my wedding was actually supposed to be today, Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, no, but oh, it wasn't, no. because after we got engaged, that we got engaged on a Wednesday or Thursday, I don't know, Shabbos, my father looks at me, and my father's like, oh, you can't get married that Sunday. I'm like, why? He's like, it's the Super Bowl. I'm like, so? 
He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to your wedding on the Super Bowl. I was like, oh, okay. And then Shabbos ends, and I'm like freaking out, like, how am I going to tell Ellie that we have to change the date of the wedding? Like, my, their, his parents are going to think my parents are nuts. And I get a call from Ellie, and I was like, yeah, we can't get married on Sunday. It's the Super Bowl. We're going to have to move the wedding. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this world? So we moved the wedding anyway to four days later. So it could have been. Today could have been your big day. It could have been. It could have been. But it wasn't. <laughs> so, so we got married five, four or five days later. I don't know. And yeah, thank God. And then when did culinary, when did food oh, come into it? Okay, so my mother is Moroccan. And which means that we have a very strong food culture in our house. Do you hear how like, much noise there is outside? I know. You guys don't understand because you can't see, but... But they have decided to build a whole addition onto this building. Wait, not, not us. Not I the would landlord. love for it to have been me, but it is not me. It's the landlord. Oh, yeah. And so she has a window, and he's literally building a room outside the window. Like, her her, her office is going to look into somebody else's office. It feels like it's one of those cartoons where your window looks into It's not even going to yeah. look into somebody's office. It's just going to look onto brick. But right now... Oh, like, you think they're even going to brick this side? I do. And I also think right now, as we're doing it, I don't know if you're looking out, but I'm facing there. Like, every once in a while, like, a guy just walks by with his face, like, we're four floors, like, we're two floors up. And they're just walking right across the window as if we're, like, on street level. Yeah, this is crazy. Listen, we wish everybody well. I mean. I mean. (laughs) Well, but also, you know, not not to build buildings outside of our windows. Okay, so you're going to be a foodie because your mother... No, so I grew up in a very strong food culture. My mother is Moroccan. She was born in Morocco. She grew up in Paris, went to Montreal for a little... I saw so two much Canadian. There. It is so crazy. I'm basically Canadian. I know. Uh, <laughs> you know that one of my rooms in the basement, like one of the guest rooms, is decorated with all sorts of Canadian paraphernalia. Canadians yeah. are wild. So yeah, they're we're so proud happy. of their Canadian. We're very heritage. happy. We're very happy. I don't know how that happens. Okay, so your mom, Morocco, Montreal. Yeah. And basically, my mother's the youngest of seven, and her father passed away very young. So my grandmother didn't have a husband, and she really spent time with all of her kids, going from child to child to child. And she spends a lot of time in our house, because my mother's her baby. And my grandmother was the best cook I know in the world. But I'm not saying that, like, anybody who's listening to this that has eaten my grandmother's food is like, oh, yeah, that food was so good. That's what they're saying right now. Her Moroccan cigars were, like, untouchable. Her mafletta, which is, like, a thin Moroccan crepe pancake. It was just, like, we woke up to sphinge in the morning and fifletto matez, which is, like, a chicken and vegetable stew. I mean, just the most delicious food. And my grandmother couldn't really stand. She had from all of her pregnancies and things, like, a lot of, like, phlebitis and legs and whatever. So I have a vivid image of her sitting at the head of the kitchen table rolling cigars all day. All day because my father loved them, his friends loved them, my mother loved them, we loved them, and that's what she would do. So, my first job in the kitchen was cutting the edges off string beans, and then I graduated to Duncan Hines brownies. Sure. And my mother can't bake to save her life. She can cook like it's nobody's business, but you give her a cake, she can't do it. Cannot do it. But it's because she can't measure. It's too much. You know, she's got to keep moving. She's Moroccan, like 15 things at once. And so my, you know, I got creative with my Duncan Hines. I put peanut butter, I put marshmallows, I put things. And I just had a love for the kitchen. Like, I think because I saw how happy my mother and my grandmother were there, I became very happy in the kitchen. I have very good memories associated with it. And I love it. So I would say, like, you're meaning, okay, so let's just, I mean, I don't even yeah. know if we've said it clearly, but Danielle is, um, you have a website called Peace, Love, and Carrots, but more significant, I would say, than the website is that your Instagram account, Yeah. I which has, I don't know, 40,000, 50,000 followers. I know you don't I look because you're know. modest, yeah. um, but it has, I mean, tens of thousands of followers. Yeah. And I would say one of the things that people enjoy the most, or what I enjoy the most, is that there's this very real, like, this authentic peace to you that um like people will i mean i see it all the time like people will come over to you they'll find you they'll hunt you down they'll because they feel very close to you because you seem to share like i'm in the shook i'm at this store i'm buying this i'm making that but i would say like often your recipes don't overwhelm like your grandmother's recipes and your mother's recipes would seem to me like that's like you know these very intense they're a bit more tedious yes and yours seem to be at least to me they're like you can do this and I'm gonna show you how and don't be scared. Do you right. find that? No, I do, so I try. So actually I do have Mafletta and Fifletta Matez on my blogs. You can look those up, but 
I do try to break it down because really nothing in cooking is so scary. Sometimes it's more steps or less steps, but if you're prepared and you get everything in order and you know what you're doing and you read the recipe through or you watch videos or see the technique, it's really not so complicated. Anybody can cook. Uh, mm. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I think A, it's a confidence issue. Yes, meaning I would say like Dina, my sister, who I love, obviously. But like, meaning her husband <laughs> oh, is an just amazing. Calling her out yeah. Right. D. <laughs> no, meaning her husband cooks, so she's like, meaning I can cook, but like she just doesn't. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? But it feels like also there are a couple of things because you started it primarily as cooking, but I think that you've shifted over to lifestyle. Meaning you had your Olympics. <laughs> Olympics. Olympics, like your Hanukkah Olympics, right. where like you were doing all. I think as your kids also, like you started it. When your kids were very, very little? No, no, no three years ago. It's only three years Instagram old. Instagram is only three years old. No, my Instagram. <laughs> no, your Instagram. Barur, yes. Your Instagram is only three years yeah. old. So what, how do you think it, it like, meaning there's a tipping point in Instagram. So, so like, I don't know. Because my Instagram is, like, very cute. I have, like, 1,500 followers. And that seems like I'm immensely proud and don't need more than that. Like, right. that just feels correct. But there's a tipping point where it changes from being like, oh, we're a cute bread bakery. Look at our breads. I'm so sorry, the phone is ringing, but I'm not going <laughs> to stop it. Um, to being like, oh, meaning you're an influencer in ways that, like in three years, that seems like a rapid change. So I don't know. I don't like to call my blog a lifestyle blog. It feels like too much pressure. I just call my <laughs> blog Peas, Love, and Carrots, and I don't know what category why is that? Into. Why is that the name? Oh, by accident. Not on purpose at all. Because basically, when I went to create the account, the name that I had thought of was taken. And then I tried a lot of different names and this like popped into my head like a light bulb. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And it worked. So we also did that. Listen, before I had the bakery, I had this lovely little website called Holocrums. Oh, and we were also like this. trying to like figure out the name and back and forth and back and forth. And finally like, oh, here it is. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like it hits you and it fits you. The same thing with Papa Melk. We were like... The whole concept of Papa Mouth is really about like simple life and a humble life. And we're like, oh, like it, you just try it on and it fits you and it feels good. It's a light bulb moment. When like, you started, was it also like things to do with kids? I don't remember No. That. So when I started Instagram, there was no stories. It was only posts. And basically I had gotten Instagram two months earlier from a different influencer from a different industry who happened to have been visiting the Citadel while my parents were there. I was there with my kids one day and this woman starts talking to my mother she's like more my mother's age and she says what do you mean you don't know what instagram is and i'm like oh i don't i live in israel i don't know what instagram <laughs> is blame the country yeah. i'm like i don't know and she takes my phone she downloads the app she follows herself and that's like my introduction to instagram six months earlier in like august, july or august something like that so i'm like you know starting to get more into it and i'm seeing i'm following not Jewish chefs, chefs that I look up to. I'm following Eric Repair, I'm following Tom Colicchio, sure. I'm following chefs that I know from the food world. I didn't know it was a thing for Jewish girls to open Instagram accounts. And then all of a sudden I start seeing these young girls who I have no idea, I didn't even know they had websites, I knew nothing, start putting on content on Instagram and I'm like, oh. So I have an elaborate theory this. about this. Yeah. I think in your world more than in my world for two reasons. Yeah. One, my world is a little more modern than yours and two, I'm older than you. Okay. So I think like my world sort of stayed in the Facebook world. Yeah. And your world is in the Instagram world. I never even had Facebook. So I think that the rabbis ossered Facebook in the from world but didn't know enough to osser Instagram. And so all of Could these be. girls went on to Instagram and then that became a lifeline. Right. Meaning, because it's not like you're not, you're not watching TV or you don't have your computers at home or you don't, but there's something that's eminently kosher and acceptable to say, what am I feeding my kids for dinner? Right. And there became this whole world of like, oh, this is totally an okay pursuit and it connects people. Meaning your followers aren't only in Israel, they're around the world. And this concept of like, oh, we nurture our kids or we, you're also very good at celebrating moments. I'm very big into that in my personal life. Like I feel like any moment that's a great moment, you need to like, hug that moment I agree and love that moment and so in Judaism innately it's built in meaning I have my Hagim and I have my Shabbat and I have my you're always creating traditions which for kids creates resilient kids like there are so many fabulous things that happen and I feel like for you specifically even like even today when you're like oh it's the Super Bowl let me show you how to make I don't know what it is hot dogs our Super Frank Stadium oh I'm so sorry should I not say oh like my God, enough we, excitement we, we remade we, we remade 
the Falcon Stadium out of hot dogs and hot pastry. I'm like, watching. monumental. I'm watching it this morning when I had football. <laughs> no, but this is the most exciting day for everybody because for the men, yes. this is the culmination. This is the best game of the year. For the women, this is the last day we have to hear about it. Oh, so I'm Canadian. We don't oh have my football. gosh, right. You know? <laughs> it seems to be a theme oh that God. I would have never realized was going to be a theme for us. But yes, meaning, so, but I do think like even something is silly, sorry, sorry, football world. But even something like Super Bowl, you're like, oh, here's a way to take a, a this day and enhance it, you know? Yeah, I love everything. I don't know. I like, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite holiday? I'm like, what? All of them. It's because it's built in. Yeah. I mean, there's this, con there's this built in. And I think like you've created this environment where like, you're like, okay, let's celebrate it. Or w without being overwhelmed. Like part of the Martha Stewart shtick at the beginning was like, I am better than you. Like that felt like it was oh, aspirational. I like yeah, I was yeah. never gonna fold my napkin like a Martha. God bless you. Oh, Why did you, you ruined it? But but in your world, I feel like one of the reasons that it re resonates with so many people is because like it's attainable. That's I will so not nice. be making the Falcon <laughs> football stadium. <laughs> but you never know. You might because it is in fact very simple I, and I, an I, excellent way to serve Franks and blinks. Straight up, I'm never doing it. <laughs> Fine, that's fine, because I'm never making the carrot puree, so we could trade. I'll make you a football stadium, you thanks, can the carrot puree. Thanks, thanks, I appreciate that <laughs> so much. I really do. Okay, I want to talk, like, for a few more minutes. Also, we left Ellie in the front. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so forgive you, because you made him. laptop, he's so happy. I brought him to a place where he could eat lunch, do work. Nobody's bothering him, no because bothering he's not him. at home. And... And he's being well fed. What more could a man want? It's Super Bowl Sunday. He gets to work and eat in and peace. And eat. And eat in peace. Come on. It's true. Um, do you take the role that you have as influencer? Like, do you get how serious that is? Okay. So, I actually really... I'm not very comfortable with any of those terms. Oh. And that's um, why I get to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have come to understand over time that my Instagram account does hold a certain measure of... Um, influence and how people make choices and products to buy things to wear things like that so i do take my role very seriously in terms of that i have very strict guidelines to myself in terms of items that i'll promote budget wise like i try to stay within a certain price range all the time once in a while i'll vary outside that but it's for a very good reason like you're saying for the products you promote on your pay on your instagram yeah. you wouldn't do like like super expensive products. No, no. So like I did do pots and pans recently because I was getting a lot of questions for them. But I felt okay, even though I do use old clad copper lined pots, which are actually very expensive. Um, mine are 12 years old. They're in perfect condition. And I do feel that it's just a better use of your money. I'd rather you save up and buy one pot a year and invest that way than buying, you know, 10 pots that are junk that you're gonna have to get rid of in two years and replace the whole set. Um, but let's say in terms of meat, I try really during the week never to use expensive cuts of meats or things like that. Um, I try to save those for holidays. I really do try to be aware that I want everybody to be able to cook my it's food. It's a really amazing thing that I would not have thought about. Like right. I just wouldn't have. That's an amazing, like, because you're taking on, Look, in the artisan world, I would say, like in the artisan world, like in the sourdough world, we definitely like we have a value-based bakery. Yeah. Like, we have values that we follow. I guess it's similar yeah, to what yeah. you're saying. Um, and so those values are like we want to be part of the landscape of the place that we live. So like we'll support the stuck code in the area, or we'll support activities in the area, or we'll bring like there is that value of creating it. But mine is like because it's a brick and mortar store. So it feels very, like, I'm in a space as opposed to, like, right. you're reaching Arba Confosa Arts. You know, you're going everywhere. Right. So I do want to keep everybody in mind. So I try very hard to work on that. Then there's the piece of sponsorships, which is something that's very difficult because um, people really do like to send free stuff to influencers. And I understand it because their businesses need help. Everybody needs a start somewhere. However, on the flip side, I can't promote 10 products a day, A, because I don't physically need them, so it wouldn't be authentic. Like, if it doesn't fit into my life or something that I would use, how can I tell people to go buy it? You have to find somebody else who will use that product. There is an influencer out there for you. It just may not be me. And also, at this point, I just don't want free products. It's too messy. Like, how do I put a value on your free product? You don't know the value that I consider my story worth. Like, it's, just, it's too confusing. So I'd rather just stay away from any sort of 
free products. A, it's easier for disclosure purposes legally with Instagram. And B, it also affords me the ability to be very selective in which sponsors I do take. Because now that you're paying me, A, I have to decide if I kind of want your money. Like, if you're not such a nice person, I don't even want to deal with doing business with you. People who are mean about bread. No, exactly. (laughs) No, because once money is exchanging hands, you start to have to actually deal with the person. It's not just, okay, what's your address? A box shows up at your house. It's interactions, how much, this, how many times. But Dave and I, because we didn't come come from the world of business, so we we spent our time building this up, like meeting with business coaches and like finding the right accounting firms and reading tons and tons of books and so one of the things we love is that you're allowed to fire your customers meaning like you're allowed to be selective it's the same thing that you're yeah. saying with sponsorship like you're allowed to say i don't fit your need right now there are other stores i don't even think it's allowed i think i have to do that because if i take every sponsorship that comes my way how are you going to know which ones i believe in or not believe in so the only way for me to continue to do what i do is to only take sponsorships from people that I really feel strongly about. A, they're good people, which is maybe not important to everybody because business is business, but to me that is an important part. I don't wanna work with anybody who I don't find has nice values or speaks to me nicely or speaks to other people nicely. B, has a product that actually enhances my life. So most of the time, my sponsorships will either be a product that I have already been using or a product that once they showed me, I couldn't live without. That's sort of like my guideline. And then, and then in addition to that, the third element of not taking free stuff, being selected with my sponsorships, is I only allow myself to take up to one sponsorship in six to eight weeks because I don't want to overwhelm my... Okay, I guess meaning... I don't, I don't want to be a seller. Like, I just want to give you food. I just want you to eat better. <laughs> that's it. Look, there is something that's so pure in what you're saying, but there's also part of it that's like, no, oh, but this is your living. Do you know what I mean? Can you tell me for real? Yeah. Is there going to be a cookbook? Is there going to be more of you videoing? Like, so where will people find you It's not that this is next? my living. Thank God Ellie works very, very hard. But as this has taken over more of my life, I do feel like I need to be compensated for the work I do. I don't want to be compensated from the people that support me, meaning from everybody that goes on my Instagram and my blog and takes the time to like my photos and write to me. I don't, I don't want to have to charge them. So the flip side is I do have to charge sponsors. Um, so, yeah. So. But I'm saying, aren't you, like, you're in the world, where do I find you on video? Kosher.com? Kosher.com, yeah, so they pay me. Kosher.com pays me to make videos, and I love that I'm able to give you videos, and, well, very professional videos, and I love that I'm able to be compensated, and it doesn't come out of your husband. You're, okay. It comes out of the business. You end. film it in Israel or you film that in America? We've actually done both. Oh, really? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. They're in both places. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have workers yeah, it's so, so screaming so out of the windows. Okay, so then let's like sum up yeah. because I do feel like maybe Ellie. Ellie's <laughs> <laughs> waiting. Ellie. Um, okay, so your journey and my journey are like they start off in a similar place of like, Okay, there's a passion that we have, even though I don't have a passion for bread, you know that, right? It's all David. But, and then it sort of like takes on a life of its own. And then you, like, meaning I would assume that your values came after everything started to snowball. Like, yeah, I didn't until, know I had needed to have these that's values. What I'm so I, like, one of the things that I love the most about the bakery is first of all, every day I'm learning something, but there's this really significant piece to it for us. And you mentioned it also, which is like, I just want good people. Right. And I say, like, I want to surround myself by good people. The people that work with us are fantastic people. And we take time. Like, it's not like we pull in anybody that wants to be here. I really want them to be good, and I think it enhances. Like, I think that the food can be, meaning the food is delicious, declaw is amazing. But, like, if your wait staff is smiling at you, it's totally it's different. It's a big difference. I agree. So I find that the good, the good piece is very significant. And the piece that's also, like, I, I want to be there. Food has this nurturing and restorative power. At different points, agree, yeah. disagree. No, uh, I mean I, I'm I'm like I'm trying to think about the different points. Um, I think it always is nurturing and restoring. Like, I guess you talk about yeah. your earliest childhood memory is like you got to not even your childhood memory. I don't the have first bad thing that you memories. did is like you cut the green beans. Yeah. Like so, the first thing like you know I remember going to my grandmother's house and each grandmother had like a different food that they would make. Right. Like that was their staple and the way that my mother approached Shabbat and the way that I approached Shabbat. Meaning all of that comes from this belief that like you create so many memories, right. healthy memories surrounding food. Yeah, I think food is a common denominator. It brings people together. 
I tell you all the time, I'm like, you don't, I'm solving world problems. You're solving world problems. <laughs> Look, but also, meaning for me, I love it because I also get to meet great people along the journey. Like for me, like the memories of like people who are walking in, even if they're influencers, if they're not, if they come in with their kid to like decide which bread they're right. going to take for dinner. Just, to... that, but that's the point. Food is the best medium because it brings you to so many places. A, it's a connector, yeah. right? It connects you to the land, it connects you to the people, it connects you to the animals, and used properly, it can connect you to Hashem. Um, it's also an educator. I use food to educate my children all the time. Years ago, when they were picky eaters, we started this thing called Kitchen Destinations. My mother brought us this talking globe that like, you put the pen on it and it told you facts about different places. So we decided to learn about one place a week, and we would spend the whole week learning about it. I would print out facts and things like that, and then we would cook food from that place. So then they would eat the food, which was shocking because they were such picky eaters, but they were, sorry, that's me. <laughs> but they were so excited about it because of the process that they were so happy to eat. And they did, and it was amazing. And so food is an educator, it's a connector, it's, a, it's satiating, we need food to live, everybody needs it, and it, it's a common denominator. Everybody has to eat, and if we can, everybody can agree that pizza's delicious. It doesn't matter if you're Chinese or Indian or Arab or Jewish. It's just delicious. We all agree. Um, I do. I mean, I understand what you're saying totally. And the idea of breaking bread, I also think that since we started the bakery, when I wash, like, I have so much kavana for the Do you brothel. really? Yeah. Because I say to my kids, I'm like, you need to literally, benching now is like, first you're supposed to be like mindful and in the moment and appreciative, but like it's literally your your bread and butter, your meaning your college fund is all connected to the gifts that Hashem gives you through a bakery. Like if at any point in time wow. you're supposed to show gratitude to food, right. it's like in this industry. I love it. I understand the brachot so much, so much clearer. Even the truth is like the videos that we do about like the Chagim and how agriculture connects to the Chagim, food for a long time, agriculture for a long time has always been connected. Danielle, That's I'm amazing. so happy that you came. I am. I'm so happy that we fed you. I'm I so really I'm so happy that you came. <laughs> I'm even happier to be here always. I cannot walk into this place without a smile on my face. It's just the um, happiest. Place. So it does have that vibe. Yeah. It does make me happy too. Okay. Thank, Thank you, my friend. Thanks all for having me. Um, everybody, as usual, if you enjoyed us, you can head over to iTunes to give us a little rating. That seems to help us out. And uh, we will see you next week. Good luck, uh, Super Bowl. Although by the time this airs, somebody already won. So... No, we'll already be almost March Madness. So That's Yes, next. March Madness. So congratulations. Um, <laughs> check out Danielle on Instagram and as Peas, Love, and Carrots. And, um, and, on, and your website. And are you on Facebook? Yeah, forget, yeah, forget Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. She's too young. All right, <laughs> goodbye, everybody.